0: Well, this evening we're continuing with our series, Firm Foundation, Core Doctrines of the Christian Faith. And this evening we're going to be looking at the doctrine of sanctification. But before we open God's word and do so, let's go to the Lord once more in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask God that you would steady our hearts. That you would grab hold of our minds and center them on you. That even now you would be increasing our affections for you and our longing to draw close to you. Father, as we open your word, we recognize that this doctrine that we will look at this evening of sanctification is only possible because of your finished work on our behalf, Lord Jesus, and you, Holy Spirit, taking the work of Christ and applying it to our lives. So we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would do that sanctifying work, work through the preaching of your word. I pray that the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. And that all of us would walk away this evening just a little bit more like Christ than when we walked in. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Doctrine of of sanctification is an important one. It's an important one because so often we can grow discouraged because we look at our lives and we aren't who we want to be yet. And so we double down on our efforts. We try a little harder. And a couple of days in we falter again and get more discouraged. And so much of the lack of our growth in the Christian faith is because we don't understand this doctrine of sanctification in what exactly it is and how exactly it is that we grow in it. And so this evening, that's what we hope to do. We hope to briefly look at the word of God and just begin to understand the beginnings of what it means to grow in sanctification, to become more sanctified. Now, when you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God did an amazing thing. He reached inside of you. He removed a heart of stone and he gave you a completely new heart. This was the promise, the great promise of the new covenant. We see that in Ezekiel chapter 36. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, we read. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to do my judgments. Beautiful promise. A promise that for any of us here who have truly put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not just a promise to come, but a present reality. The fact that you've been given a new heart means that you no longer are a slave to sin or its desires. You've been set free. It's not that you've been just given a new heart. That new heart means you've been given a completely new nature. And this new nature that you've been given, this new creation that Scripture says you are, means that you can now begin the extraordinary process called sanctification. Now, that word, sanctification, big big word, what's it mean? It comes from the the word sanctified. Now, when something is sanctified... It means that it's set apart for a specific use. And since we're talking about the fact that we are to grow in sanctification as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, this means sanctification deals with the fact that God has set us apart for himself. Again, there's great, do do you see the great privilege that is? God has set you apart. For himself. He set you apart to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've looked at the doctrine of justification and today we're looking at sanctification. So let me help distinguish some differences. Justification is your legal standing before God. You've been declared righteous. Sanctification is talking about the internal condition of your heart. Justification is a once for all time. It's a one and done. You've been declared justified. You don't keep getting justified. Sanctification, on the other hand, is a continuous lifelong process. Justification is 100% God's work. Sanctification, on the other hand, is something that we participate in. Justification means that you are declared righteous. It's not that you're becoming righteous. Sanctification means you're actually in the process of becoming. Justification is something all of us share equally. We are all equally justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification, however, is not equal. Some of us are more, will be more sanctified than others. So understanding these differences here, let me offer this definition of sanctification for us to work from this evening. Sanctification is the work of God in the life of a disciple, whereby the Holy Spirit working through God's word makes us more and more holy in heart and conduct. Let me repeat that. Sanctification is the work of God in the life of a disciple whereby the Holy Spirit working through the word of God makes us more and more holy in heart and conduct. All good theology, all good understanding of doctrine always begins with God. So our first point this evening is the God-centeredness of sanctification. Sanctification is rooted fundamentally in God. Now, if sanctification is the process of becoming more and more holy in heart and conduct, then we have to understand sanctification is God-centered because holiness is grounded in God, because God is holy. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 7. And my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people, Israel. And I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations will know that I am Yahweh, the Holy One in Israel. God is holy. We've looked at this. The message is passed that God is set apart. He's unlike anyone or anything, He's free from sin. He's morally perfect and righteous and just in all His ways. In the truest sense possible, God is the only holy one. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. The angels cry out. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In order for us to even begin to talk about sanctification, which is to talk about the growing in holiness, we have to understand there is no sanctification apart from God. God is holy. And sanctification is just us growing to reflect that more and more. Sanctification. Is God's will for your life. How often do we hear people say, I just, wish, I just wish I knew what God's will was for my life? Does God want me to do this? What is his will? People write books and books on these things. Tests to discern the will of God. But there's some things the scripture is actually very clear on that you don't need to... Read books to figure out. One of those things is God's will for your life as it relates to sanctification. God's will is for you to be holy in conduct. God's will is your sanctification. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's pretty clear. It's not complicated. God wants us to grow to be more and more holy in heart and conduct. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 makes a similar statement. Ephesians 1 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. This is God's will for your life. Your holiness your sanctification, your conformity into the image of Christ. And if that's God's will for your life, the question has to be, as we have to ask ourselves, how focused am I on that then? Am I focused on my sanctification? We'll see later that sanctification works and happens through the word of God. But, you know, one of my concerns is, We think God's will for us is simply to be biblically smarter. And we think that because we're growing in biblical knowledge, somehow we're more sanctified. But that's not true. Your heart can still be corrupt. Biblical knowledge, apart from biblical character, just makes you a smart devil. God wants you to be holy as he is holy. Holy and blameless before him in love. It would do us well to just each morning, you maybe write it on the mirror in our bathrooms with a dry erase marker. Just write the word sanctification. And I focused on that today. Sanctification is also God's work in us. Because sanctification is fundamentally first a work of God. We tend to think sanctification is that part of our our salvation that we do. But that's wrong. Sanctification is first the work that God does in the life of a believer. And that's really good news. I hope you can see why that's really good news. Because if your sanctification was entirely dependent upon your efforts, you would never be sanctified. You would never be more holy. You would actually grow in corruptness. If for no other reason than the fact that once you got a couple little holy notches on your belt, you'd want to flaunt it. But the fact that our sanctification is a work of God is good news because God always completes what he starts. So every single person that God has effectually called, And justified, he will sanctify. So, if you truly are a blood-bought son or daughter of God through the work of Christ, yes, we need to examine our lives. But remember, God is the one working in you. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 and 26. I think sometimes we're so focused on the whole marital component of this section here that we actually lose sight of what it's saying about Christ in relation to the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives... Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Christ sanctifying the church. Christ cleansing the church. How? With the word of God. This is the work that God is doing. God is taking his people. Jesus is taking his bride and sanctifying her, preparing her for glory with him. One book over, if you go to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, one of the first verses I ever memorized as a believer, Philippians 1, 6, for I am confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Christ started a work in you and will complete it. God is in the work of finishing what he started. He justified you, he will sanctify you, and then one day he will glorify you. Philippians chapter two, verse thirteen. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Or Let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Not in part, entirely. It is God that does this work in us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our benefit, so that we may share his holiness. He is a good father, a father committed to the holiness of his children. One last verse, first Peter chapter one, verse two. First Peter one two. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to the obedience of Jesus Christ in the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Again, it is God sanctifying. The Father sanctifies through his discipline. The Spirit sanctifies by taking the word. Christ is involved because he purchased for us our salvation and our salvation unto Our sanctification, it is God's work. Sanctification is grounded in his holiness. Sanctification is God's will. Sanctification is God's work. And sanctification happens through his word and by his spirit. This is how God does it. This is how God brings your sanctification about. Somehow we think we're becoming more like Christ if we do good works. You know what? I'm going to go to feed my starving children. I'm going to do this outreach event. I'm going to do that. I'm becoming more like Jesus. Or a humanist. If you're not using the word of God. You are saved unto good works, but you're not sanctified necessarily by your good works. You're sanctified by the living word of God. And the Holy Spirit taking that living word of God, applying it to your life, and bringing about Christ-like conformity. The fruit of that will be some of those actions, but those actions themselves aren't what sanctify you. If that was the case, we would have some really sanctified atheists. Sanctification happens by the word of God through the spirit of God. Which, ironically, are the same ways he saved you, by the word and through the spirit. You are saved and sanctified by the same ways. John 17, 17. Jesus is praying for his disciples and for us by extension. Sanctify them by their really good works and outreach events. No. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. If sanctification is the process of growing to God's holiness, then you, the only way you grow into God's holiness is by taking the word of God and actually seeing God in his holiness. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Second Corinthians chapter three. I mean, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter three. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. How do you grow up to be the man of God, the woman of God that you were intended to be, created to be, saved to be? Through Scripture. And he says all Scripture. There is no sanctification apart from God's Word. If you look at your life, And you see a lack of Christ like conformity, a lack of holiness, the first question you should ask yourself is What is my relationship with God's word? But it's also by the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just us exerting brain power to understand the Bible, the Holy Spirit needs to do a supernatural work. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 16, that he would give you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being firmly rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ, Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Notice there. To be strengthened with the power through his spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, I just thought of. Notice what he talks here verse 18 Ephesians 5:18 and do not be drunk with wine for that is dissipation but be filled with the spirit the spirit of God the spirit of holiness our sanctification is by God through his word through his spirit first Thessalonians 5:23 again now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely the third person of the trinity the holy spirit is the one doing it So now we have to take a step back and ask ourselves, okay, sanctification, word, sanctification, Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does that expect of us? It means that we have to prayerfully give ourselves to first Bible reading and meditation on scripture. David understood this really well. King David did. I love the way the book of Psalms, Begins. If you were to look at Psalm 1, verse 2, Psalm 1, 2, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Sanctification happens by feasting on the word of God and meditating on it. Which makes sense because the more your mind is filled with the word of God, the more you would have the thoughts of God. But if your mind is filled with garbage, your life will be garbage. So we have to give ourselves to the reading and meditation of scripture. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness and he is confronted by Satan and tempted, how does he respond all the time? It is written. It is written it is written. Jesus quotes scripture because the mind of Christ was filled with the words of God. and Therefore, he could combat sin. It also comes by prayer, though, because when we pray in our church does this quite a bit, we pray scripture back to God. Our prayer is communion with the Lord by the Holy Spirit. So we Also give ourselves to prayer, and prayer sanctifies us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. That that section of scripture, they're talking about the armor of God and, and the war and everything we're engaged in. And in verse 18, he says, praying at all times, with all prayer and petition, in the spirit. You want to be sanctified? Get in your word. You want to be sanctified? Give yourself to prayer. You want to be sanctified? Give yourself to the local church. There are no holy Christians that don't covenant to a local church. You're just home all the time, so nobody sees your sin. Being a part of a local church and coming to corporate worship is one of the chief ways God brings about the sanctification process in his people. In Ephesians chapter 5, 18, verse 18. He's talking here, he says, verses 18 through 20. We just looked at briefly. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the father and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That is talking about men and women together in the worship of God. It's talking about the local church. we're sanctified through the scriptures we're sanctified through prayer we're sanctified through corporate worship and we're sanctified from, through the lord's supper when we come together every sunday morning and we come to the lord's table and we receive the bread and we receive the cup and our and and the holy spirit unites our spirits with christ we're sanctified because our faith is being strengthened and nourished in that time this was the practice of the early church if you were to look at acts chapter 2 verse 42 Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is often referred to as the ordinary means of grace. The everyday means of grace. It says, and they were continuously devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. The things we've been covering just now. This was how the early church grew in their holiness. So when we come to the Lord's table, that also sanctifies us, not in the Roman Catholic sense. We're not talking about it that it's actual, somehow a grace received and it changes what it is. We're not saying that. We're saying that at that moment, we are visually, visually seeing a representation of the gospel. Our spirits are united to Christ and our faith is strengthened because of it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night he was being betrayed took bread, and when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. You proclaim, you preach. As we do this, the gospel is proclaimed to one another. And it sanctifies us. So your sanctification, to recap this first point, is grounded in God's holiness. It's God's will for your life. It's God working through you. It's God working through you. God working in you, God working through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And so we give ourselves to the means of grace he's given. Scripture, prayer, corporate worship in the Lord's table. That's what God does in our salvation, in our sanctification. That's the God-centeredness of sanctification. Now we can look at the part we play. Because there is the part we said earlier that we play in this. So our second point is the work of sanctification. And the first thing we need to realize is that it's a lifelong process. If you think holiness is a sprint, you're wrong. It's a marathon. Do you realize it will take your entire life to prepare you for glory? Let's say we live 80 years. Let's say you get saved as a child, young. 70 years is what that sanctification process is, to prepare you to be in his presence. It's a lifelong process. Now, it is a work of God, like I said earlier, but we participate in it. Now, what that doesn't mean is this. It doesn't mean sanctification is God says, I do 50%, not you do 50%, and, and that works. No, because that would make God dependent upon something we do to accomplish his will for your life. So it's not that. Rather, when we say something you participate in, it's God's work in us that produces the work we do in sanctification. It is because God is at work in you and pouring his grace into your life by his Holy Spirit through the Holy Word that we then respond in our part of the sanctification process. A passage of scripture that really captures this dynamic really well is found in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 capture this tension. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence... Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the part we do. Verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Because God is working in you, you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Our working out is the effect of God working in I love the way the late R.C. Sproul captured this in his, uh, when he commented on these verses. He said, quote, the Christian life requires hard work. Our sanctification is a process wherein we are co-workers with God. We have the, God, we have the promise of God's assistance in our labor. But his divine help does not annul our responsibility to work. Because there is a danger that some people, what's all of God. So, you know, God's going to bring it about. I'm just going to do me. Well, the evidence of you doing you is that you never truly were saved because those who truly have been justified and have been given a new nature with new desires will have a desire for holiness, a desire to be sanctified. And because that desire is in you and that desire to work it out, that's the evidence of God's working in your life. If you have no desire for holiness, then perhaps you've never truly been saved. Now, again, we're not talking about perfection. We will see that momentarily. But the reason any man or woman wants to work out their salvation with fear and trembling is because God is at work in them. It is a work of God. And let me just say, you know, Dr. John Piper wrote a book, Desiring God, but he also wrote a book after that when I don't desire God. So let me just say this. It is an evidence of God's grace in your life. When you're sitting there concerned about your lack of desire, your lack of a desire for God and your awareness of that and your concern over that and praying about that, that's actually a good thing. That's an evidence that God is working in you. So I don't want you to be here. Well, you know, I know I should desire the Lord more. I'm actually really torn up about my lack of desiring him. Maybe I'm not saved. Those concerns potentially that you're working through is evidence that the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart, calling you to really lean in and work out your salvation. That's not the same as apathy is not caring. We have a responsibility to work. And that desire to do so is because God's working in your heart. The Bible is extremely clear, church, that we are supposed to pursue this. Listen to 1 John chapter 1. Verse 3. 1 John 1.3. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you may also have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you see John here is proclaiming this, reminding them, because he wants them to draw into fellowship. Fellowship with God is a sanctifying work. It is a sanctifying work. If you are not pursuing sanctification, you cannot have fellowship with him. And I think we know that maybe there's been a season in your life where you're just really given to the, to the flesh. And as a result, you recognize, you know, even my fellowship with other believers is struggling right now. I don't really want to be around church people. They don't, you know, everything, everything's up. It's not just your relationship with God, but you're a relationship with God's people. Because that sanctifying work not only is making us more like Christ, not only is bringing us into deeper relationship with God, but it also brings us into deeper relationship with one another. When I first, when the Lord first saved me, I was like, man, God's awesome. Theology is great. Church people are weird. That's how I felt. right? And I was like, I don't really fit in here. But by the grace of God, the more I gave myself to the word, the more I gave myself to prayer, the more I realized, guess what? I'm becoming weird, too. And that was a beautiful thing. All of a sudden, I found myself, like, in the car, by myself, driving, singing a worship song. Never thought I'd do that. What's going on here? Because God was making me more and more like Christ, and therefore, I was being given a heart more and more for his people. good. Way to see if you're growing in sanctification is also, are you growing in your love for God's people? Now we have to remember that sin has affected our entire being. We looked at the doctrine of total depravity a few weeks back. So if, if the entirety of our being has been affected by sin, that means sanctification also is going to act on the entirety of our being. Our mind, our will, our hearts, all of that. That's why we saw in First Thessalonians 5.23, that sanctifying you in your entirety. It's not just sanctifying, you know, sometimes we think, you know, I, I'm being sanctified because I, I have a lot of desire for theology. But remember, sanctification is all of you. Everything you think, everything you say, everything you do, everything you desire has to be sanctified. So are you being sanctified in your character? Is the fruit of the spirit growing in you? Are you more aware of your sinning? Are you quicker to pursue repentance? Do you love the things God loves? Do you hate the things God hates? All of you take inventory of your entire life. Does your heart break for the lost? That's actually another, th- another evidence of sanctification, right? Is as you look out in the scope of humanity and you see how many people are not in relationship with God and are in opposition to Him. Does that grieve you? That's a huge evidence of sanctification. It's not, it's no evidence of sanctification to look down your nose and judge the lost. So often we look at the world and we're like we 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 think so ill of them but what do spiritually dead blind people what else are they supposed to do so again let us pursue sanctification in the entirety of our being now with that we have to understand we're no longer under the penalty and power of sin salvation has broken that the penalty of sin was put on christ the power of sin has been broken in part, but still, sin is still at work in your life. The presence of sin still remains. Sin has not been totally uprooted from you on this side of eternity. And we know that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Sin is still here. It's still present. It's still doing its thing. The Apostle Paul knew that well. Romans chapter 7 is a powerful chapter where Paul is very honest about his struggles with sin in Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the working out of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Paul recognizes I'm still struggling with sin on the side of eternity. And so we have to recognize our life, if we're pursuing sanctification, should be a life of ever increasing holiness, but also an ever-increasing killing of sin. A life of overcoming sin and temptation. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Now to those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires those sinful passions those sinful desires must be crucified must be put to death it's not just about pursuing the right things but also putting to death the bad things second corinthians chapter 7 Verse 1, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Right, That's active. I'm, I'm cleaning these things off me. I don't want this defilement on me. Holiness is absolutely necessary because without holiness, we will never see the face of God. I actually learned something this week when I was doing this that I didn't realize about the original languages. If you were to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12:14. In Hebrews 12:14, lots of translations render verse 14 as, as the following strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness with which out, no one will see the Lord, but the legacy standard Bible, which we've been preaching from renders that one a little differently. It looked at the original languages and it renders it pursue peace with all men and the sanctification with which no one will see the Lord. You see the connection between holiness and sanctification. Sometimes we think holiness is this big fundamentalist extreme word, but the pursuit of holiness is really just the pursuit of sanctification. It's what we should be giving ourselves to. And we have to understand sanctification is warfare. It's warfare. Your new nature and the presence of sin in your life are engaged in a war. They have two radically different desires and agendas for your life. Sin, want, sin and Satan want to destroy you, kill you, ruin you. God wants to make you holy like Christ. Galatians five seventeen. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you do not do the things that you want. Are, is your life, are, are you making war in your life? Do you even think about it in those categories? I think those categories are helpful, one, because they're biblical, and two, because it shows the extreme nature we should be taking. We should be extreme in the killing of sin and in the pursuit of holiness. I think some Christians are more intense about how, they garden their, how their gardens are going than their pursuit of holiness. I know believers, man, they taking care of their lawns, gardening, man, they're checking, they're, they're, they're watering, they're doing this. Immaculate, they're extreme about it. They're more extreme about their garden than about their soul. You have one soul. And we need to be killing sin and pursuing righteousness, holiness because of it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you. As sojourners and exiles to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. As long as you and I live in this world, we will be at war with sin. There's no such thing as a spiritual pacifist. It can rightly be said that Christian is in the killing business. The Puritan John Owen said the following, quote, be killing sin or sin will be killing you, End quote. It's serious. Sanctification isn't a hobby. Sanctification is the will of God for your life. I guarantee you, Satan and sin are putting in extra hours. They work the overtime to get your soul, to wage war against your soul. If he's putting in the extra hours, why are we, at best, most of the time, working part-time? We need to be engaged in this. Now, I have to, we have to caution, though, here, that as we engage in this battle against sin, we're not doing it on our own strength. We're waging war against sin by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is what Paul was talking about, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, when we said to be working out your salvation fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you. We're doing it by his strength, by his power. And what makes that so wonderful is that he's omnipotent. And so it's not like you're going against sin and Satan. And man, I hope I have a puncher's chance of, of winning this one. No, you have the power of God available to you. It's not a question of whether you can kill sin, more so as will you actually do it? Not a question of can, but if. God has given you every single thing you need to have a life of godliness. The last few weeks, in our prayer meetings, Phil has mentioned this verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Granted to us everything pertaining to a life of godliness. If you're not growing in sanctification, it's because you're lazy. It's because I'm lazy if I'm not growing in sanctification. Because he says, I've given you everything. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my word. I've given you my church, my bride. I'm working in you if you would submit to me. The lack of sanctification in our life is because we're not availing ourselves. We're not committed to it. I wish time would allow us to to walk through a strategy for killing sin, but it doesn't. But we need to be engaged in killing sin and pursuing righteousness, holiness, sanctification. And we have to understand, we're not going to win every battle against sin. We're not. I wish we would, but we're not. We saw that in Paul in Romans chapter 7. There will be battles we will lose. We will give into the flesh and sin will have its victory. It's short-lived victory. But it won't have ultimate victory. God guarantees that. But if we're going to be fighting sin and we're going to be pursuing sanctification, then we have to understand we can't do that alone. You can't. If you are to put sin to death and pursue what is holy, we need the local church because we need one another. Because it is within the local church that you have elders, pastors who care for your souls. It's where believers, fellow disciples, sharpen one another, hold one another accountable, minister to one another with the word, pray for one another, encourage one another to fight the good fight, admonish one another. It is a battle that is done as a church by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to loving good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us pursue holiness, sanctification, and the killing of sin in the local church. Because as we do so, Christ promises to sanctify his, his bride and to fight for her. Like I said, we will lose battles, but we will never lose the war. First John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. For everything that has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the overcoming of the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. You believer, brothers, sisters, you will have absolute victory over sin in your life one day. You will overcome the flesh you will be glorified and in his presence for all eternity. He promises that if you give yourself to this work by faith in Christ, the victory is sure. The victory is guaranteed. Knowing that he fights for us, that he works in us, that he's sanctifying us, and that we in the power that he's working in us go out and work out our salvation. How freeing is that? How freeing is it to know that the very Holy Spirit that was in Christ is in us, committed to sanctifying us, and so we simply just need to give ourselves to what he tells us to do, because the victory is certain. It is a beautiful, beautiful promise. Now, I will say the sanctification is the evidence of your justification those who have been justified are right now presently being sanctified. If you have truly repented and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're being sanctified right here at this very moment. The Puritan Matthew Henry said, none quote, none can know their election, but by their conformity to Christ for all who are chosen are chosen to sanctification. There's a lot of debate, a lot of, unneeded debate about election and God's choosing and this and that. Funny, nobody wants to debate the whole we've been chosen unto sanctification. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about growing in our godliness. Instead of batting around theology just to show how many books we've read. There's so many more important things to to be discussing. Like this right here. Are we growing in our sanctification? Are we becoming more and more like Christ? Don't look at it in a snapshot of your life. Any given snapshot of your life will give you reason to think you truly have never been saved. Look at the scope of your life. Look at the trajectory of your life from that moment of regeneration to now and If you've truly been saved, you will see a slow, progressive, upward-tick in godliness. The trajectory of of your life would be heavenward. I said at the beginning, some people are more sanctified than others. In the most positive way possible, I'd encourage you to be competitive about your sanctification with one another. So as we close, let me leave you with this. Your sanctification, I just want to make sure we get this, is not dependent on your strength, but on the glorious grace of God. God didn't justify you to simply leave you on your own now to see if you will make it. If you've truly been justified by grace alone in Christ alone, then find comfort, find security in the fact that God is working in you and will continue to do so. Even in those moments where you're tired and you're doubting, your zeal is low, God never tires. God never doubts. God never stops loving. God never questions his commitment to sanctifying you. God is working to transform you into the image of his son in your highs and in your lows. So rejoice. Give him praise for it. Have prayers of gratitude and then completely give yourself to the pursuit of it. The greatest thing perhaps we can do to grow in sanctification is to pray for it daily. Sometimes we get so caught in trying to do the work of sanctification that we don't even pray for God to do the sanctifying in us. Jesus says in John 15 that we can do nothing apart from him. So let us begin each day asking God to sanctify us more and more, and then give ourselves to the means which he's provided. But let's not start doing the meat, the, 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 let's not give ourselves to the means without asking him to do the work in us we'll have a lot more confidence and a lot more success in the sanctifying process. When we recognize we need God to do it and he's committed to do so. So with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you that each member of the Trinity, father, son, and Holy spirit, each of you are committed and at work in the sanctifying of your people. We thank you that as a father, you discipline us unto holiness. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as a husband, you say that you wash us with the word, sanctifying us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you take the word of God and apply it to our lives, convict us of sin, and give us understanding. Father, I pray right here, right now, on behalf of our entire church, that you would do whatever is absolutely necessary to sanctify us, Because the more we are sanctified, the more we can enjoy you, God. The more we are shaped as the image of you, Christ, the more we can behold your glory and delight. So do whatever it takes. We won't always understand it. We won't always like it, but we know it's for our good. Sanctify us, Lord. Sanctify this church. And sanctify, actually, all believers in all places for all times. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.